Well, happy 4th of July, Independence Day weekend, and Sabbath Sunday for our Adventure Church family. This is the midway point of the year where we shut everything down to give our team, our dream team, our volunteers, our staff, just a weekend to enjoy family and just uh, fellowship. And so I hope you are doing just that. And I appreciate you taking some time to just tune in for a few minutes here. And I want to just share a quick message with you around this idea of freedom and really how we let freedom kind of ring in our lives. When you think about our nation and even what this weekend and this holiday means, right, it's a celebration of freedom. It's a celebration of independence where our founding fathers sought after freedom. Freedom from oppression, wherever there's oppression, right, the people are going to want freedom, and our founding fathers pursued freedom, fought for freedom, and established it here in our country, and in fact, once we declared our independence shortly thereafter, right, the the Constitution, the the rights that would govern this new America, this new land were established. And we got the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments. You're probably familiar with some of them, but freedom of speech, the ability to be able to speak freely, to, to have the opportunity to not be, you know, um, pushed away or shut down or muzzled, right? That we have the opportunity to, to speak freely. They have the freedom of press and the ability to share news and spread news and, and the government would not be able to control that, the freedom of assembly, right? We love that here at the church. We have the freedom to assemble together. What a privilege we have in our country for that. The freedom of religion, uh, that, that regardless of what you believe, you have the right to pursue that and to worship and to do those things, right? The right to bear arms. We know that one. The right to due process, a jury trial, uh, freedom from search and seizure, freedom from cruel and unusual punishment, and the list goes on and then has been added to since then, but right, we live in a country that's been established on freedom and the individual freedoms that we have of being a citizen of this country. And so we live in a country where people demand their rights, right? We hear that. I have rights. I have rights. You can't do that to me. You can't make me because I have rights and we enjoy those rights and we fight for those rights. Many have fought for that freedom. And it's something that we enjoy, right? The Declaration of Independence itself says this, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, right? They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among those, these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and this is how we think as Americans, right? This is what we've been taught. This is what we've been told. This is what we enjoy, right? I have a right. I have a right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with someone else's rights, right? And that is really what makes up and, and is really the mentality and attitude of so many Americans. I have the right to, because I live here, because of what this country means, I have rights, but remember, here we go, rights always require responsibility. With rights always comes responsibility, right? Rights always need to be harnessed with responsibility. If not, things can go horribly wrong, right? Because we as Americans, because of this culture we have been raised in and have come to know, typically... 
right? We, we tend to use our rights for what we want. <laughs> we tend to demand our rights for selfish things, for ourselves, and our, our rights, right, can become wrapped with selfish desires and ambitions. And when that happens, it's usually at the expense of someone else that when we cling to, hold to, demand our rights motivated by selfish desires and ambitions, right? Someone's usually going to get hurt. And that's why it's so important that individual rights be coupled with individual responsibility, that those rights require a certain responsibility, a certain accountability that comes with it, right? With liberty, with freedom, right, comes responsibility. And liberty without responsibility undermines liberty itself, right? It, it messes with the whole system. And as you study and really look into the historical background, the authors of the Bill of Rights assumed that there would be moral guardrails that would guide our decisions when it comes to our rights, right? They assumed a group of people who had an accountability to their creator, right? When you read the Declaration of Independence, it is, it is based upon the rights that they felt didn't come from government, but they came from God, that God endowed these rights, that these were God-given rights. And in fact, the reason why this country was fought for and established was because the founders believed that God gave us these rights, not government, and so government can't take them. They can't restrict them. But they also knew that if we demand our rights without the consideration of others' rights, the whole thing collapses upon itself. And so they had this underlying moral guideline, ethical guideline, like when the founders established this nation, it was with that in mind, that, that it would always be with God at the center of it, with the accountability of, of, of our creator helping guide our, our decisions and our rights. In fact, John Adams said that. He said, man, if you are to take God out of this country in this system of government that we're setting up, it, it, it will not work. It won't work. But here we are living in today and, and, and see that. And so what does this mean as a follower of Jesus? And as we've been in this series on the Beatitudes here at the church over the last few weeks, you know, we're, we're learning from this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus had a different idea of what it meant when it, you became his follower. It was a different set of guidelines and, and moral, ethical principles that would begin to, to guide his believers. In fact, I mean, when you really look at the teaching of Jesus and then throughout the New Testament, when you become a follower of Jesus, he asks you to resign to your rights, that you are to lay aside your rights. And in Jesus to that stuff, right? Like no one takes my life, that he voluntarily laid aside his divine privileges, his divine rights as being God, the Son of God, for the sake of others, for the sake of you and me. And so he expects his followers to do the same thing. It's not I have rights, it's that I have resigned to my rights for the sake of Christ, for his purposes for my life. Yes, right? 
the, the law gives you the ability to do certain things. And even the Old Testament law, as Jesus is teaching these principles to his, his listeners of his day, right? The Old Testament law said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and it gave you the rights to do certain things. Jesus says, when you begin to follow me, you will lay down those rights for the sake of others, right? Right? Your right to revenge. He said, no, you lay it down. Your right to get even. Your right to hold a grudge. Your right to hate your enemies. He said, no, 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 that's, that's not my kingdom. You're going to resign to your rights and you're going to embrace a new, a new way of living, a new way of guiding your decisions in what you do. In fact, the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago writes to a group of believers in Galatia and he's encouraging them and telling them that they are no longer under the Old Testament law, which was a beautiful thing because there was hundreds of laws, very strict, hard to live up to, in fact, impossible to live up to. And he says, you're free from that, man. If you are in Christ, you're free from the law. He fulfilled the law. You no longer have to, to live according to that law, live for that law. He says, you get to live for a different law. You get to let freedom ring in a different way than you're used to. And he begins to tell us how we should respond and live according to this new freedom that's found in Christ. In Galatians 5, 13 through 14, he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, right? He's saying, you're in Christ, you've been called to this freedom. You, ain't, you don't have to mess with the law anymore. And to that, all of us said, amen. But here's what he says. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, which we know Jesus taught. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see here what Paul is saying. He says, you've been given freedom, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, right? Don't ask the question, how low can I go, right? Don't ask the question, where is the line? What does the law require? What does Jesus require? He says, no, 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 don't, don't be about how low you can go. You need to ask, how high can you fly? Like, how, how high can you rise above the culture, the norm, to shine and to live according to this new law that Jesus has given us, right? And we know this, right? There is no law that, that can make you serve another person in love. It can make you serve another person, but not in love, not with the right attitude, not with the right heart. The law, right, it just draws a line on how selfish you can be. And Jesus said, that's not this anymore. Paul is saying, listen, you have the right to, but, but, but don't view it like that. Not I have rights, right? But now I have an opportunity too. You have the right not to, but you also have the opportunity to do. And so your freedom, Paul says, means you no longer have to serve the law. And, and, and we all are, are beneficiaries of that. In the, in the, in the law of the king, in the kingdom of God, but what rules and reigns and governs his kingdom is not the Old Testament law anymore. We've been free from that. All of us say amen because we can't live up to that. There would be no joy in serving Jesus, right? He says, so you no longer have to leverage what you are and your energy and your time to serve the law. Now you can leverage this freedom that Jesus has provided for you and given to you to serve others. To serve others, not yourself. And he says, and this is how you should view the law now. What is the law then that governs the people of God? 
that you've been given this freedom, and he says, and you are to leverage it, and, and here it is. You want to know what it is? You're going to treat others the way that you want to be treated. Love others the way that you want to be loved. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law can be summed up into that. And could you imagine with me for just a second on this Independence Day weekend and as we celebrate this great nation that we live in, could you imagine if everyone in our nation did just that? If everyone began to treat others the way they wanted to be treated, we wouldn't need any laws, right? The law of love would govern our nation, and that's what Jesus wants in his kingdom. Man, the law that governs you, man, it's love. And love means that you're willing to, to leverage your freedom for the sake of those around you. And when we do that, when, when the body of Christ does that, the church becomes a better place. Man, when, when we do that as citizens of America, of this great nation, when we begin to treat others the way that we want to be retreated, when we begin to respect others the way that we want to be respected, this world, this nation becomes a better place. And, and let me tell you something, Jesus follower who's watching today, you have been called and commanded by Jesus to love others the way that you love yourself. It's not an option. It's not something we get to choose to do or not to do. No, when you say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let, I'm resigning to my rights and I'm going to leverage my freedom that he has given me from the law to serve other people. And in that, I'm actually fulfilling this new law of love that Jesus has provided for me. And when you forget this truth as a country and as followers of Jesus, look what Paul says in verse 15. He gives us this warning. So if you forget this truth that we just talked about, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other, right? When you leverage your freedom for you, liberty Rights have responsibility. Liberty demands accountability. And when we lose sight of that and we begin to leverage our rights for the sake of, of ourselves, he says, man, the whole system collapses on itself. You will devour each other. You see, that is what is more prevalent in our world today. It's what we do, right? We're much more divided than we are united and the way to unite according to Jesus is by loving and serving each other. Not just those you agree with, not with those who hold the same political views as you and similar lifestyles of you. No, no, no. The love of Jesus. In fact, Jesus taught this in his Sermon on the Mount again, that it, it shines the brightest on the second mile. It shines the brightest when you serve those who have are nothing like you and you express love and tangible ways to those types of people, man, you're showing them Jesus. And so we're called to do that because that's what Jesus did for us. He resigned his rights as God to become like the ones he created and then allowed himself to be crucified and killed for our benefits so that we could be free from the law and the penalty of that law to find freedom in Christ. And he says, and if you've experienced that freedom, you leverage it not for your own sake, but for the sake of someone else. And when you do that, you'll be fulfilling this new law of love 
that can transform you and our country. So some quick application of what this looks like in our day-to-day lives. What does this look like? Let me just say a quick few things here before we go. First, do what's just, not just what you can justify. That's our country, right? Well, I can justify what I did. I can do, no, no, do what's right. Do what's just, not just what you can justify. It's not how low can I go. Instead of saying that, let's begin to ask the question that serving one another begs of us, and that is, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help my spouse? How can I help my kids? How can I help my church family? How can I help my life group? How can I help my coworkers, my neighbors, the people I interact with, those God has given me influence with? How can I help? How can I do that, right? That's it. That, don't do what's just just. What, what you can justify, do what's just. Second thing, do what's responsible, not what's permissible. Do what's responsible. Listen, if you are not willing to take responsibility of a decision that you plan to make, then don't do it because someone is going to have to take responsibility for those actions. It, it has a ripple effect. It's not, it's going to impact someone. So do what's responsible. Do what's right, not just what's permissible, not just what I can get away with, what no one will find. No, no, I do what's right because it's right. And I realize that my actions have consequences, whether they come on me or someone close to me, but they will. Do what's just, not just what you can justify. Do what's responsible, not what's permissible. Third thing, do what's moral, not what's modeled, right? We tend to look around us to get our cues for how we behave and how we act. Well, they did this and they did that and that's how they are and that's how I am. No, 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 no. Jesus says we don't look to others. We look to him. We do what's moral. We get our moral code not from those around us, but from Jesus. That's who we look to. And Jesus didn't just preach this new way of living. He lived it out and gave us an example to follow. And in a country with the moral decline that we live in today, it will not be stopped unless we begin to live out these truths. We got to be the ones to live it out. And if it doesn't stop, it's going to continue to go down. And listen, it's not just going to undermine them. It's going to undermine all of our freedoms. Do what's moral, not just what's modeled. Be selfless and serve others. I mean, it's as basic as it gets, but that's just really it, right? I got to deny self, serve others, serve God. And Jesus tells us this is the path to true fulfillment. That's why we encourage you, get in a group, get on a team, right? Sign up to serve at the Dream Center. Leverage your time, talents, and treasures to serve other people. And in doing so, you are actually serving yourself with the joy of Jesus that's only given when we pour ourselves out for the sake of someone else. And when we do that, he promises to fill us with something this world and money could never fill us with. And lastly, simply honor God. Man, just honor God. Ask yourself that question. Would, what would be most honoring to God? And don't just do it for the sake of others, right? I do this because of what God has done for me. John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Here it is, the law, right? Now a slave has no, no permanent place in the family But a son belongs to it forever, that God has made you and me sons and daughters of God. He's forgiven our sin. Man, we're no longer enslaved to sin, free to be who God has created and called us to be. And he says this, and so if the son sets you free, 
You will be free indeed. In your freedom that he is giving you, you are free. You're free to serve others. You're free to serve God and the ones that he created. John Adams, one of the original founders and writers, said this. He said, you will never know how much it cost the present generation at his time to preserve the freedom as he's writing to future generations. You'll never know what it costs this present generation to preserve the freedom that you enjoyed. So I hope you will make good use of it. Because if you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. And what he's saying to Americans, don't waste your freedom. Don't squander your freedom. Leverage it for the benefit of others. And what Paul and Jesus are saying to you and me today as followers of Jesus, man, let freedom ring in your life. But man, may the sound of freedom be love and service to others. Let freedom ring. Let the law of love govern your life now. Resign to your rights. Embrace Jesus and who he's called you to be. And friend, if we do that, freedom will ring from us, from one another. And that has the opportunity and the possibility to change our world. We can't squander it. We can't waste it. We must leverage the freedom God has given us to serve others and his kingdom. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather even digitally through a screen today. I pray, Lord, as we embrace these truths and allow your word to come into our life and to our heart today, that it would take up root, that it would bear fruit, God, in our lives. And Lord, that we would leverage our freedom to serve you and those around us. Use us, God. Use this church family to be the difference makers in our world today. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen, amen. Hey, thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back here next Sunday. Have a great 4th of July holiday.